This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. Yes, indeed. Okay, so I misspoke. I meant to say L.A. County Superior Court judge. That was just uh, me reverting to, I don't know, whenever they, we used to have municipal court judges. I was on the radio then, I guarantee you. <clears throat> Thank you to my friends and uh, my in-studio guests for updating me on what we call it now, even though somewhere in myself I knew that. Um, we're um, in election season. You can vote right now. You have your mail-in ballot now, and the in-person voting starts on Saturday. Joining me in studio is a candidate for L.A. County Superior Court Judge, seat 137. He's a successful attorney, a small business owner, and he says he comes from a long tradition of L.A. business owners. He is uh, neither a prosecutor nor a public defender. He says that the only side he is on is that of justice for all. Attorney Michael Berg, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Uh, you're a Sherman Oaks uh, guy. You uh, went to Cal State North Northridge, grew up in Sherman Oaks, uh, graduated with Poli Sci, and then went to Southwestern uh, School of Law. And now, from private practice, you want to and in entrepreneurship, you want to be a judge. Why? You know, I've I've been a uh, criminal defense attorney. I I, I represent uh, people accused of crimes and also victims' rights. And I've been doing that for about 16 plus years. I've been an attorney for about 18. And there's a lot that can be done. And, uh, you know, I think I, I decided I wanted to become, run for judge was because of one of my cases. I had a case, it was a very serious case, uh, where my client called 911 and he said uh, he was going to kill himself. Uh, LAPD arrived. Uh, they saw, and when they arrived, he's standing in the middle of the street with a very large knife. Um, they call the mental health unit to deal with him, but then he starts walking toward the officers. Uh, so they feel like they had to take action. Uh, it didn't go very well. He ended up chasing the officers with the knife in the police report. They said they were going to use deadly force, but they could never get a clear shot because he was always between two officers. So they tased him. And I met him in court for the first time. He had no recollection of what happened, uh, and he was an absolute mess. And I convinced the judge over the prosecutor's objection to get him into a lockdown mental health facility. And then I did a, a, a motion for mental health diversion. Once again, the prosecutors were objecting to it. And thank God this judge granted it. And I'm happy to report this is, I've been done with this case about four years. And today, uh, I still talk to him. He is sober. He has his mental health under control. And he's a productive member of society today. Uh, I think how there's a lot of judges right now. Well, I don't know about a lot of judges. There are judges who are denying mental health diversion motions. And what would have happened? We can play out what could have happened if the judge denied this motion. So he would have gone to prison. He would have done probably four years. He would have done maybe two, two and a quarter years. And then he'd be released on the street, not gotten any help in prison, uh, can still all get the drugs he wants in prison. And, and he's just going to throw him on the street. He's going to be homeless and he's going to be dangerous. Uh, but I'm glad and that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I'm a big supporter of mental health diversion. And it, it gives us an opportunity to try to help somebody. They're, they're, I don't really see a downside because if they don't want the help, they can get thrown out of mental health diversion and be put back in the same exact position they were prior to the mental health diversion facing prison time uh, or jail time. Uh, but we have an opportunity to help somebody. 
and I'm one person and I could do one, you know, one case at a time in my courtroom, I'd say a, a good portion of my clients do have mental health issues. Mm. It's a huge problem facing um, the county and also the state. Uh, do you, you know, you said you'd like to see more mental health diversion and the experience that you have with this particular client and others, how do you see that impacting the way you would be as a judge on the bench? I, I th I've done a lot of them. I gave you an extreme example right. of one of my cases. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 it's only when I started seeing judges denying these motions, even, not even for very serious crimes, like if they, they were afraid that they might murder somebody or something like that, like um, low-level crimes. And I saw a judge sitting there with a piece of paper with a script of how, why he was denying it. So if, if it went up on appeal or a writ, uh, it would make sure that he covered all, he checked all his boxes. Mm. And possibly had used that script before. Yeah. Um, what, what else do you envision when you think about being um, a judge? Uh, I, you know, I, I want to do criminal. So you can request what you want. They'll put you wherever they want to put you, uh, Superior Court. But I would request criminal. And I would request the outlying areas, places like Lancaster, Pomona, or even Torrance, uh, where there's an uneven justice from what I've seen. Uh, cases out out there even today are uh, handled differently than if you were in downtown L.A. Uh, I have a case coming up right now in Van Nuys uh, where I know for a fact I've had this exact same case in um, downtown, charged a misdemeanor downtown, but it's charged as a felony in Van Nuys. Wow. Uh, and that's at the discretion of that's the prosecutor. I mean, that's the prosecutor. The prosecutor, right? That, that, but, the, but then the judge decides what to do with that charge. Well, to the, an extent, the, the, there's a lot of options for uh, criminal defense attorneys to approach a judge on a case, uh, which give judges kind of some power and a check over the prosecutor. Mm. The the um, the when you say the the justice isn't even, it's the charges that are different. And you're saying that as a judge, you would have enough discretion working with with a prosecutor or with a defense attorney to try to bring more balance. I, I think it would be more with the defense attorney because the prosecutor, when they file the charges, they want what they want. <laughs> that's what they want. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I've been in front of judges who push a prosecutor to do something that they think is right and what what's just for a case. Um, and what else, what, what do you think, you know, what else do you think you would bring to the bench? I mean, certainly most of the people that run for judge are prosecutors. And then you have this, um, you know, public defenders, sort of movement of public defenders that are starting to run. Um, and you are neither. Um, but I notice you have a long, pretty long list of judges, uh, that have endorsed you. So what do you think? you know, what is Michael Berg um, bringing to the bench? Well, you know, I, I'd say kind of like a judicial philosophy. I'd say I'm, I'm practical with a strong believer in the rule of law. I want to help restore faith in our judiciary and will ensure that all members of our community are treated fairly, respectfully, and in accordance with the law. In my practice, I've developed extensive trusted relationships with my clients that has given me a tremendous insight into the reasons why individuals commit crime and become entangled in the criminal justice system, and how judges can effectively prevent recidivism and, re and address serious criminal issues. Uh, for example, in a criminal case where the defendant presents mental health issues as a condition of bail, the judge can require the defendant to seek treatment or remain on medication as medically advised. Uh, 
an underutilized tool that can help ensure the defendant gets treatment and does not reoffend at the outset of the case. Similarly, where appropriate, judges can condition bail or diversion on defendants' participation in inpatient substance abuse and mental health treatment for up to two years, which can be a highly effective way to address the underlying issues that may have caused the defendant to become entangled in the criminal justice system in the first place. This is what I mean by having a practical judicial philosophy. In these instances, there are immediate steps the judge can take to prevent future crime from reoccurring and address the underlying cause of the pending case. Mm. Okay, you said in that um, statement that judges can help prevent recidivism. Well, how does that work? Uh, you know, no, no judge has ever asked me. Like, even when the, the, the charges, uh, the, the, there's no ever question of, of the prosecutor or me, hey, is there a mental health or substance abuse issue here? I mean, sometimes it's obvious if there's a DUI. That, that's ob- the first right. thing to question. <laughs> yeah, but, right. but that's not the majority of cases where there's a, a real issue with mental health or substance abuse. And judges need to ask. And you might have to ask the prosecutor because as a judge, you don't get the police reports. Uh, you have to ask, hey, look, is there mental health or substance abuse issues here? Anything I need to know? And the prosecutor will tell you uh, if they think there is. And you, it's something you can address right then and there. Uh you know, you can't you can't force anyone to do, but it, it it it's a way to try to help people push move along and get better. It's it's a start. One of the things that has taken us to where we are right now with with our justice system, sort of at a crossroads, right? As we look at um, these care first models and and changing our approach uh, to rehabilitation and and uh, re- restoration is um, addressing the racial bias that is within our justice system. I mean, it just is, whether you look at the application of, uh, you know, the death penalty or whether you look at the application of, you know, the way people are arrested and the way they're stopped uh, in L.A. County. We've got lots of data to show that there's a baked-in anti-blackness and, and, and racial discrimination. How can How can that be addressed from the bench, or can it? Some of it can be. Uh, I mean, I've had ca- I had a case. One of my first cases was a young African-American guy sitting in front of his house. LAPD rolls up, and he ended up getting up when they, were ro- when they drove by and got in- went in the house. They said he ran in the house away from him. Okay, that, that, that's, that's not a reason actually to stop him. But what they did was they went in the house after him, arrested him, then searched the house, and then found a gun inside the house and said, oh, you were uh, possession of a loaded firearm. He was always on his, I mean, that, none of that was true, but he was always on his property. No crime was committed. Even if he had the gun while he was sitting on the porch, no crime was committed. Uh, you know, the, stuff like that, I, you, you probably won't see as a judge. It, it was rejected. Uh, but I, what, what uh, and, and it's, sometimes that's very shocking to me when I see stuff like that. And I see a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, one thing is holding police officers accountable. It's one way to do it. And as a criminal defense attorney, I file motions to suppress evidence because of an illegal stop. When a cop stops you, they need to have either a warrant or they have to have probable cause. They have to believe a crime has been committed. So that might be speeding even to get in contact with right, you. Right, right. Uh, I file motions, not myself, all criminal defense attorneys. We file these motions all the time, and they are routinely denied. I mean, I had a case where a judge, I had spot-on law, and the, the prosecutor wasn't even arguing with me. And the judge denied my motion. And then I'm like, like, really? And, and the judge is like, 
counsel, not even close. There was no ar- opposing argument. <laughs> wow. I, I, I had multiple ca- case law saying this is what you need for this stop, what to do, and it was not done in this case. This should have been granted. Uh, what this does is it lowers the bar for policing, and it continues to lower it and lower it and lower it. And because the office is like, oh, that I'm allowed to do that. Right. The judge said it was fine. Yeah. So now that's what I'm going to do. And then they go one step lower. And then they go in and the judge says, no, that was fine also. It's, it's so bad that the Supreme Court said that officers don't need to know the law. They only have to be reasonable in their application of the law. And, th- and that's to always for an excuse for the officer. Instead of saying, you know, if, if, if a judge says, no, you know what, <laughs> you, you didn't have probable cause, I'm going to exclude this evidence, that officer will never do it again. Right. They wasted their time. They're in court. They're, they're probably embarrassed. Um, and But it takes someone willing to hold people accountable. Mm. All right. Give us your pitch or why we should vote Michael Berg for judge. And it's michaelbergforjudge.com. Berg is B-E-R-G, and it's spelled at out, F-O-R, michaelbergforjudge.com. Um, yeah, go ahead. For the most part of my 18 years in private practice, I have been in court on a daily basis, representing clients accused of crimes and victims of crimes. I have a deep understanding of the challenges and burdens of our court system and the issues impacting litigants, witnesses, and victims who become involved in illegal proceedings. I am not a prosecutor or a public defender who sits in the same courtroom all day. I have appeared before hundreds of judges throughout Southern California, all the way from Imperial County to Santa Barbara, and I actually looked at this. I have been in every single courthouse in Los Angeles except one. Uh, including all the courts in Orange County, San Bernardino, and Riverside and Kern County. I know what works and what doesn't work. I, a, I, I deeply value the experience I've had in these courts, which demonstrate how judges can effectively and f- fairly serve the public and achieve justice. I have a strong understanding how the court can positively influence the community and reduce recidivism. In my practice, I have, have the opportunity to work with clients and their families over many years. I have formed trusted relationships with my clients that is different than other lawyers who may make brief appearances or just see their clients in courts. In fact, all my clients have my cell phone number and I get texts in the middle of the night. Wow. Um, I know my clients. I understand the reasons why they've become entangled in the criminal justice system, whether it's a defendant, a victim, a witness, or a family member. Consequently, I have a deep understanding about what actions the court can take to address the conduct that's alleged to have occurred and how to prevent crime in the future. I also have a positive, patient, and respectful, and egalitarian, I can't pronounce it, egalitarian Egalitarian (laughs) temperament that will serve me well on the bench and ensure that all litigants and others involved in the proceedings are heard, given fair consideration, and treated with the utmost respect and professional courtesy. I have also a strong practical sense of the pace in which cases can and should progress so the court does not become unduly burdened and jeopardize due process for litigants. My criminal cases have intersected with civil and dependency cases, so I have gained invaluable experience in these divisions of the court. All right. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for coming in. Um, we can find you at michaelbergforjudge.com, right? Yes. And that's F-O-R. F-O-R, Michael Berg, B-E-R-G, forjudge.com. He is running for seat number 39 in the L.A. County Superior Court. I'm Dominique DePrima, and more straight ahead on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. 
Broadcasting live from Lower Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. Okay, so we're going to finish where we started. I'm not sure if you've been here all along, but uh, I thank you if you have been. Um, I started off reminding us that, and I've been saying this, that election season is now, but it's really, 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 really now because the day after tomorrow, Saturday, in-person voting starts. And one of the beautiful things, if you happen to live in the state of California, is that you can register on the same day that you vote. So if you're not sure if your registration is up to date or you just uh, know that it isn't, you know that you haven't registered to vote, uh, you can do it still. You can do it at an in-person voting center. Uh, You can't register by mail now. It's too late for that. But what you can do is you can go to any voting center. And you know that now we're in, we we used to have to go to our polling place, which was written on the back of our, or the front of our um, ballot that was mailed to us. But you don't have to do that anymore. Any place that lets people vote, you can vote in. And that's one of the great changes that we've seen in California. And you also have same day registration. So starting Saturday, if you show up, you can register and vote the same day, or you could vote, you could register to vote and then come back a few days later and actually vote because you, maybe you need time to think through things on the ballot. I'm going to keep reminding you to go to kbla1580.com and you'll be able to hear the um, interviews with a lot of different candidates, including many of the district attorney candidates. You can also get our public opinion survey there um, talking about safety, what black likely voters in L.A. County have to say about public safety and the district attorney's race. I think I was most encouraged by the findings that we are paying attention, that we, those of us who are likely voters do know there's an election, and we are particularly tracking the district attorney's race. This, though, does not make a lie out of what I said first thing, which is there's a whole bunch of folks walking around that don't even know there's an election and that the last day to vote is in a week and a half, March 5th. So we can do, we can be part of the solution like we typically are KBLA delegation by reminding folks, letting them know. Um, And again, you, if you're not sure if you're registered or you don't know where there is a vote center near you, you can go to lavote.gov lavote.gov and you can also go to the Secretary of State's website. I really like um, I really like Ballotpedia because Ballotpedia is not partisan. In other words, it's not going to give you the progressive voter or the conservative voter. It's going to give you this is what this is what is officially said about this candidate. This is what both sides say about this measure. So Ballotpedia is a great, great source. Um, I also like to look at voter guides. I do look at Maxine Waters. I look at the LA Times. I look at Knock LA. I look at um, just La Defensa. I look at a lot of different places. Um, I like to see what conservatives are saying. I like to look at the LA County Democratic Party, LACDP.org, I think it is. Um, And sometimes I'll go look at the Republican one and I'll compare and contrast and then make up my own mind. Uh, My friend Jasmine Canick also has a voting guide you can find on her website. And all of these um, actually help us um, 
to make up our own minds and make smart decisions when it comes to what is going on. I haven't voted yet. I, you know, I, I was one of those election day voters. I always would go on the day of the election. And um, I, oftentimes I would go with, uh, with Stevie Wonder. <laughs> we like to argue uh, and, and, and compare notes on how we're going to vote. But um, last year I went, I, I did my mail-in ballot and then I turned it in at the election, uh, at the voting site. Um, and that was, that was um, satisfying too, because I didn't have to wait in line. Um, but I, you know, for those of us um, who are, you know, a little paranoid, we don't want to just leave our, our vote line, our um, ballot lying around, you can do that. You can turn it right in. Um, so, you know, let's get it done. This is important. And I know you're tired of hearing this is the most important election of your life. But whether it's the most important election of your life or not, it's important. And I want us all to participate. Tavis Smiley is up next. He's got a great show ahead for you. We've got Freedman Fridays tomorrow with attorney George Feathery. Until then, one love. <laughs>